Berry in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or to pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as the disciple of Christ, then stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss this radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube every Sunday at 9 a.m. where these are uploaded. You'll find older episodes there, some other content also. Uh, you can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Gab, Gab TV, and YouTube at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure that when you go the, to any of those pages you like, follow, turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You will find us in person every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. in the Wilkesbury Public Square. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that is perhaps not so popular. The topic is that if you're not going to eat, or excuse me, if you're not going to work, then you won't eat. You think that sounds like a terrible thing to say when there's people struggling and all. And I understand that, but let's go from a biblical perspective here. Our scripture is found in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. Paul says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with them that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Oftentimes, when we read the Bible, we like those uh, scripture verses that make us feel good, that make us feel uh, good about ourselves, you know, and happy and all that. But the Bible isn't just there to make us feel good about ourselves or happy. The Bible is to help us to think right, to act right, and to be right. And so sometimes correction comes into place. So here, I want to just bring a little bit of a setting uh, of this area of Thessalonica before us. The setting is this, Paul went into Thessalonica, I believe is Acts chapter 17. Thessalonica was a rich seaport, still is, and at that time it was the capital of Macedonia. We find that Paul traveled into Macedonia in his missionary travels. Paul went into Thessalonica and then he started preaching. Uh, When he was preaching, few Jews were converted a lot more proselytized Greeks. That proselytized means Greeks that became Jews. And then a great many heathens or people that had no exposure were saved. And those, so when we look at Thessalonica, it's mostly a Gentile uh, converts, Gentile church. Paul said that when he preached to them, these people turned from idols to serve the living God. When this happened, the religious Jews were quite, jealous 
and they caused an uproar and they beat some of the Christians. And then Paul ended up fleeing Thessalonica to another place, not because he wanted to, but other people said, you need to get out of here because they're going to take your life. So Paul ended up leaving. While Paul was there, Paul worked to provide for his own needs and he didn't demand any money of those people. He did tell them that a workman's worthy of his hire and I could have done so, but I didn't want to. Why? Because I wanted to be there to give you the gospel and I didn't want you to think I was there trying to get your money. In 1 Thessalonians 2, chapter 9, we read, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. So we find Paul's intention is spoken of right there, along with the other people that were traveling with Paul. They were also working and not being a financial burden to these Thessalonians. Not only did he do that to not be a burden to them, but Paul worked to be an example to some that were idle there. It appears that as we pull everything together, there was people there that were idle, and he, he led by example. That's a good leadership tactic, by the way. It's not just a tactic when you're leading because of principles that you believe, but here we find Paul living what he preached. And there was already a problem of idleness we can find in 1 Thessalonians 4, 10 through 12. He says, for that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So here, why would Paul be giving instructions for people to live quietly, to mind their own business, to work with their hands and to make a living so that they didn't have to be dependent on anyone? Why would Paul instruct these Thessalonians in that way except that there was already some kind of idleness involved. I think that any of us can agree that, okay, there must have been some sort of problem there, so hence the instructions. So that brings us to the instruction that we find more emphatically and said a second time when we look in 2 Thessalonians, the, the portion of scripture that I read here this morning. If anyone is not willing to work, if anyone's not willing to work. So I want to start off by saying there are legitimate reasons why people can't work. Sometimes people are physically unable to. Sometimes people are mentally handicapped. Maybe there's mental retardation or they have other mental issues that make it so that they cannot. I'm thinking just off the top of my head now, autism may stop that. Tourette syndrome may do that. Um, and there could be others that I'm not mentioning. But there are legitimate reasons why people can't work. So we have to get that out of the way right in the beginning. Some people, there's two classes, by the way, here. Some have a willingness to work, but can't. And some are able to work, but won't. And I want to just talk about the first class for a minute. Some have a willingness to work, but they can't. Uh, I remember I was working with a man some years back and this man had a pretty awful criminal record. And of course, whenever you try and get a job, they usually do a background check on you. It happened to be that this person was involved with drug trafficking, um, had murdered two people, and he got out of that sentence earlier for cooperation with authorities in some measure or another. And 
he gave his life to Jesus and he wanted to be, um, you know, doing what he should be, wanted a job, wanted to do all these things. And so he's trying to apply to all these different places. I mean, even down to trying to go to McDonald's, even though he really didn't want to do that. He applied at all these places and they were excited at first. Then they did the background check and he couldn't. So uh, thankfully, he's able to do work probably more like uh, construction jobs or whatever. Uh, some of those manual labor jobs, it's a little bit easier for him to get a job in that regard than it would be in another way. Nevertheless, here you find a man who is willing to work, but couldn't work because nobody would hire him because of his past, unfortunately. And I understand that to a degree, but the man was changed. So there's that. Then there's people physically unable. They have a willingness to work, but can't. That's what we're talking about right now. So there's people that are physically able. You know what, though? People that are physically able or that have a certain disability that would warrant them not having to work, they still want to do something, and they still find something they can do. I remember uh, just a few days back, I saw a video of a man who had both of his legs amputated, and yet he was still a mechanic. It's amazing what that guy can do just with his hands. He was changing tires, changing brakes. He was climbing up a ladder and getting new tires off from the top there, throwing them down, climbing down a ladder. He's breaking with a breaker bar, the nuts coming, taking them off the tires. And he, you didn't have to feel sorry for him. He didn't feel sorry. He was having a good time. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that's an amputee has to do what this man does, but it just illustrates that some people have a willingness to work. Uh, but sometimes they can't. Well, this man still found a way. Sometimes sickness robs people of their strength and they really can't work. Sometimes people like veterans, they have PTSD, so it's really difficult for them to work. They still maybe try to work, but they can't do it the same as they used to. So there's that class of people that have a willingness to work, but they can't. But then there's the other class of people, which Paul is addressing. He said, if you're not willing to work, remember, these people... It's usually born out of laziness. Laziness is the death of our culture, by the way. And it doesn't help that in America, we have basically is turned into a welfare state, which is horrific. It should never be this way, by the way. I'm not saying that welfare in and of itself is evil if it's used rightly, but the way that welfare is done in our current system is broken. And this welfare state has basically raised up generations of people that feel like they're entitled. Like you owe me is the attitude. And listener, if that's you, you're thinking about you owe me. This is not something that's pleasing to God. You're not trying to impress me or anybody else by what you do or don't do. But I'm just saying we have to answer to God for what we do with our life. None of us are entitled. All of us are made in the image of God, but all of us also have personal responsibility. And this, in, this welfare state that has led to people feeling so entitled is a ploy of people that really hate you and they're trying to convince you that you're entitled. They just try and foment all that. You're entitled, poor you, poor you, poor you. You're not a victim. You are a responsible human being that has to make choices and we have to do some things sometimes we don't really care to do because it's the right thing to do. The thing is, is, these people that say you're entitled to you're the victim, they strip away your personal responsibility. And then they end up doing you more harm than good in the long run. And you think, well, how is that so? 
Well, the Proverbs 27 or 22 verse 7 says this, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave is the slave of the lender. Now you're might saying, but I'm not borrowing. They're just giving it to me. But the principle still holds. Whoever is, you know, giving that to you, you are a slave to, you're tied to, and you've become a slave of the government. The same government, perhaps, that you say you don't like and all that, you have, you have subjected yourself willingly to this government to enslave you. Now, I'm not just talking about political matters here. I'm just saying these are principles. You don't want to work, and so you get money through the welfare state. The welfare state then becomes your owner and you're a slave. It's really that simple when it boils down to it. There's multitudes of excuses that come out of laziness as well. I've heard this talking with people out on the street. Well, other people, they're rich. And they think, I guess, solely because these people are rich, they must have done something wrong to gain the money. But that's faulty thinking. And that faulty thinking comes upon us by this communist culture that we're now a part of. Um, These people, they were disciplined people, the rich. They were driven people. And they worked. And they made money. Now, I'm sure there are some rich people that have gained money by unjust means, but that's not for you and I at this moment. God will take vengeance on those people. God will judge those people. Leave those alone. But we're not going to allow those people that are crooked to stop us from taking personal responsibility and getting a job and doing what we're supposed to be doing. Let them be judged by God. Another thing is, you know, pride. People say, I don't want to work at McDonald's. I don't want to go, you know, work or a trash truck. I don't want to be a janitor. I don't want... They look like lowly jobs, but will they pay the bills? That's the thing we have to realize. Will they pay the bills? I remember working at a gas station. I hated that job. It was terrible, but it paid the bills and I had to do it. Some people say I'm an addict. Now, I do want to say I'm not minimizing the difficulties that people that have addictions, there may be a period of time where you can't work because you've got to get things under control. But when your period of time lasts years upon years upon years, it begs the question, do you want to be free? Or do you just love continually being on these drugs? And most people would say, oh, that's so heartless. You know, uh, that's a disease. It's not a disease. It's a chemical dependence. Sometimes certain personalities lend themselves towards addictions more than others, but it's not a disease. It is a chemical dependence and it's a choice. Do you want to be free? If you do, you can be. So If we're an addict, if we want to be free, we can be free. I was just told somewhere in Wilkes-Barre, there's a guy that that comes down uh, into, I guess, the square area, and he offers jobs um, to people. He'll pay him, I don't know, a certain amount of money a day to work. And he just come in there and say, who wants to work today? And there's loads of people that don't have a job that say, no, I don't want to. This message is for you. This message is for you that can work but don't because you don't want to because of laziness or whatever other reasons may be. Sometimes people say, well, I need to keep going to school. And I'm not against learning if learning is going to be helpful or if that's your call. But some people are are professional schoolgoers and racking up debt upon debt upon debt and not actually getting a job. We've got to be careful right there. The thing that's really relevant to us right now is unemployment pays me more than a job would. Here's the thing. That may be true. But principles got a rule. You've got to do what's right, not just play the system. Again, if you are able to work and you won't, you are not a victim. You are responsible 
for your actions before God. Be sure that if you're going to claim that I'm not able to work, that you truly cannot work before you claim that because God knows if that's true and you know if that's true. I'm just trying to make the point that according to the Bible and according to scriptures, being lazy is a moral issue. Not working when you can work is a moral issue. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Okay, so we're dealing with the two classes of people, those that you know, maybe not able to work, but they have a willingness to, and then those that are able to work, but they're not willing. And we talked about the two of those, and that's the problem is the people that are able and won't. Paul says here, and this is scripture, that if you don't work and you are able to do it, you're not willing to work, then don't eat. Let him not eat. That's the that's the injunction or that's the, the, the command there. And you say, that sounds cruel, man. That sounds cruel. You know, people are leeching off of welfare and charity when they could be working for themselves. The thing is, is you're stealing from people that actually need money, that actually need help. That money should be used for people that really can't work. There's another place where Paul's instructing Timothy about uh, widows and certain criteria that the widows had to meet in order for them to even get the financial help from the church or, or to be fed meals or any of these other things. So that the finances of the church, Paul says, can be used where there's a true need and not be squandered on those that are taking advantage of the church. So when you are hungry, very hungry, you get desperate to do something. You'll find a way to get some food. This this directive that he that doesn't work, let him not eat, it's remedial. It's not cruel. It's, it's trying to get the person to change their ways so that they will get up and they will work instead of being lazy. There's a, a man that I had gone to church with years back. I wasn't a pastor at that time, but he was this of this way. He, he could get a job. There was a couple times where he had a job for a few weeks and then left. The problem was is that he was just very lazy and he didn't want to get a job. And I remember my pastor at that point saying to him, you can come after a Sunday morning service, you can come over to our house and eat. But if you're not going to get a job, then you're not welcome to come over here because what you're doing is wrong and it's sinful and you need to get a job. You cannot be lazy and leeching off of people here and there. Another guy, uh, I was pastoring and um, he, the Lord was really helping him. He was really making strides and going forward. Um, but then I, he, he, he hit a wall where God was telling him to do something and he didn't move forward. And yet he would still call me. I need, I need help here. Can you help me with laundry? Can you help me with groceries? I did that for a little while. I bought, he, he and his girlfriend and his girlfriend was pregnant, bought him groceries. They came over to my house for hours. 
uh, to do laundry. I helped him at one point trying to get a job. Uh, he had to do some kind of a physical fitness test or something. So I tried to help him a little bit there, but then he just started to kind of give up on that and didn't want to do it, get a job at all, it seemed. But he would always call me for money. And the Lord brought to my mind that situation where Jesus said, when crowds were following him, you've come here, not because you want the spiritual truth, but you've come here because you were hungry and you got food and were fed. And I had to eventually cut ties there with this person and say, I want to help you spiritually if you want it but I'm no longer going to help you in these material ways because I was trying to get the guy to wake up, to change his ways. And if I keep enabling him, that's not going to work. You've probably heard that old proverb or adage, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. So the highest good is to teach somebody and train them how to help themselves. There are times where we do give and help somebody in this immediate need, but ultimately we want to help these people to get up on their feet, to stop being lazy, to go forward, to do what's right, to be responsible. And we can't do that if we just continually, you know, hand things out to them all the time. Um, so then people that call themselves Christians and are walking in idleness, I want to address you for a moment. You can't maintain a Christian life and walk if you persist to be lazy or idle. You're going to lose the grace that's in your heart. You're going to lose out spiritually. And the problem is, is that when you don't work, when you could be, Paul says that you end up being busybodies in other people's matters. This is where arguments and troubles arise. You can see it in children. When they don't have any direction uh, in a day, they just end up fighting amongst themselves and causing a big problem. We get so nosy when we don't have things to do about what others are doing because I don't have anything profitable to do, so I just kind of am trying to pass the time, entertain myself, so I get involved in other people's stuff. I just want to say, if that's you, if you if you name the name of Christ and you're a Christian and you are, are able to work and you won't do it, you are ashamed to the name of Jesus Christ. There are atheists that work harder than you. And how is your lifestyle going to recommend Christ to someone else who is very industrious and hardworking. They say, well, if Christianity does that to a person, I don't want that because I think that's wrong. I think you should get a job. I think you should work. And they're right. A Christian should get a job and a Christian should work. So if you persist in not working and you are able to, you are ashamed to the name of Christ. You are doing damage to his cause. The heart of a Christian, a true Christian is hard work, faithfulness, and you want to make a difference. Being a Christian is not a get out of hell free card. It's a person. It's a life. It's a changed heart. So that gets to the core of the matter. That laziness can be crucified with Christ. Paul says then, don't be like that if you're a Christian. If you've been a born again Christian and you name the name of Christ, don't be lazy. Don't shun work. Work and work hard and do and be faithful. He says, do your work quietly and earn your own living. So why does he say do your work quietly? Well, stop sticking your nose in other people's business. Stop making drama about all these different things. Just work. Just simply do what's right. Be responsible and do your duty. Let me ask you a question. What kind of values do you want to pass on to your kids? You want to pass on laziness and entitlement to your kids? What kind of values do you want to pass on to your extended family? What kind of values do you want to pass on to society? We look at today's culture and we're like, everything's such a mess. What a problem everything is. Everything's a problem because 
all of these kind of things have gone unchecked in our culture. People have the idea mentality, don't tell me what to do anymore. The thing is, we need to be told what to do. We're in a mess. And thank God, we've got the Bible. The Bible has proven through thousands and thousands of years that where this Bible has been grabbed wholeheartedly and where people have really given themselves to God in truth and have lived for Christ, it has raised society to a higher level. But, you know, the Bible is made up by men and all that kind of thing. So let's just throw it out the window. It's not working. So don't make your life full of drama. Do what's right. Do what you should do. Not, not always what you feel like doing, but what you should do. Earn your own living. And you know what? Whatever you work for, you appreciate more. If something's just given to you, you don't guard it the same as when you've worked hard for something. You're less likely to waste and to squander things when you yourself have put the effort in and taken the responsibility and work. And you know what? It builds a good character and it sets a good example for other people. No one is obliged to earn a living for you no matter what the government tells you. It is not the government's responsibility. It is not taxpayers' responsibility to earn a living for you. It's your personal responsibility to not be lazy, but to get a job and to work. And if you've got to start at McDonald's, you got to start with some lowly job that you don't really care for, that's okay. I mean, you think about some success stories of people that started off doing some pretty lowly jobs. And after they had, you know, climbed up tiers of ladders, they got to a different place where maybe they found their life work. But we've got to start somewhere. And if we say, I can't start where I really want to start, then we'll never get anything done. And we can't do that. So may God help us right here. So what is the true and loving thing to do to those that are not willing to work? What is the true and loving thing to do to those people? Well, the Bible tells us here, discipline. Discipline is the true and loving thing to do. He says, if people persist in this way of not working when they can, don't let them eat and have nothing to do with them so that they might be ashamed. Ouch. We as parents, and maybe not so much in our culture as it used to be, but we as parents realize that if I love my kids, I'm not going to let them do things that are going to destroy them. I'm not going to let them live their life so that they come, they, they grow up being a, a nuisance to society. I want them to be somebody who contributes to society. I want them to be a good, moral, upstanding person that, that lives right, that does right, that makes a difference somehow. I think every, every parent would love their kids to be that way. So he says, if people persist in this way and they don't work and they can, have nothing to do with them. This is, this is, I'm talking about Christians in general, but this could apply even to those that you are trying to talk to and lead to Christ. And They need to feel the shame of the way that they're living. Otherwise, they're not going to change. Have nothing to do with them that they might be shamed. Remove them from your fellowship. They're not in the inner circle of fellowship uh, of true believers because they're living in disobedience. And fellowship is when we're all walking in the same direction together. But if you're persisting in laziness and not working, you're not walking in fellowship. There needs to be shame towards those, uh, towards that, that lifestyle because it is shameful. And you know, if you're to do this in discipline, you don't treat the person like an enemy. This person's a brother. This person's a sister. You love them. You're just trying to win them back to the right way. It's always remedial. So, When it's a Christian to a non-Christian, we may find that some of these principles also will apply. But 
He that doesn't work, let him not eat, Paul says. Dear listener, is that you? You can work, but you won't. You need to repent. You need to to, to change your ways and start walking in truth and righteousness. Walk with God. And if that's you, don't delay any longer. Don't give any more excuses. But look up into God's face and say, I'm sorry. That's me. I'm doing this. I need help. I need to be changed. And God changed me. And get up on your feet and make those responsible choices. Let the Spirit of God help you. You'll find a blessing from Him if you do. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. I want you to introduce yourself and set up a time to meet with me. I would love to coach and help you in your uh, further further in your journey walking with God. Uh, then go and like and follow us on our social media accounts, Gab, Gab TV, Facebook, YouTube. Like and follow us. You're going to find more teaching and preaching there for your journey. And then you can connect with others that are going on their journey as well. Tell your friends about this broadcast and about our social media. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance. Special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Sharealike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal